As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So this week, Lionel Messi was suspended for two weeks by Paris Saint-Germain and will be fined after taking an unauthorised trip to Saudi Arabia. Coming up, we'll discuss the events that will surely signal the end of Project Messi in Paris and where he might play next. And is Messi now more of a very expensive PR tool than a footballer? I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Numéro 30, du Paris Saint-Germain. We start with one of the most significant transfers in the history of football. Lionel Messi has tonight signed for Paris Saint-Germain. Little tit-a-tat astride of Lionel Messi. Little touch back to him. Oh, there's his first goal! The Parquet France explodes! Who's for Lionel Messi? Never thought you'd hear that too often from fans of his teams that he's played in. Renewed vigour in Paris Saint-Germain and in the support coming their way. Although that might be ending very quickly indeed. Suddenly, Dieng trying to make amends and Lorient have their third of the afternoon. Defeat on home soil for Paris Saint-Germain. It was really pathetic on Sunday. The ultras were not there because the, the stand was closed as a sanction. So they turned up at the training ground on Monday and Messi wasn't there. He was in Saudi Arabia. Okay, lots of brilliant writing on The Athletic around this topic in the last few days and joining us to discuss this one are two of the men responsible for that. We've got The Athletic's Adam Crafton and also our PSG writer Peter Rutzler over in Paris as well. Gentlemen, thank you for doing this. Peter, I'll start with you. The question is, what's happened this week? I think it's best to start with the Lorient game on Sunday night. PSG lost, defeat with 10 men, abject performance. It was their ninth defeat of the season. I think that context is important to how we get to this point. The team were due to train on Monday. Now, after a Sunday night game, generally, if they win, they'll get two days off the players. In this instance, they lost. They've lost more than double the amount of games than they had done in all of 2022, and that's since January. The manager's under an immense amount of pressure. It seems crazy. I mean, they're, they're clear at the top of Ligue 1, but performances have been consistently below par. It's, it, they give off an air of disinterest, and, and Messi is a, a part of that. Once it was confirmed that they'd lost and that they were due to train, 
uh, Lionel Messi had this pre-agreed trip to Saudi Arabia as part of his ambassadorial role for the tourism office there. Rather than cancelling that trip, which was not authorised by Paris Saint-Germain, he went. So on Monday morning, as Christophe Galtier took his players for, for training to basically oversee a post-mortem, his key player, the star player, one of his star players was not there. And the response from PSG has been really firm, um, uncompromising, really. T- a two-week suspension, uh, two weeks of docked pay, he cannot train, he'll miss the trip to Troyes, he'll likely miss the game with the Jaxio. The key thing that sort of emerges from this is that it just it's just not going to happen that Messi will stay in Paris from from the, beyond the summer. Do you agree, Adam? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, I would say there's like 0.001% chance. So you're saying there's a chance? I'm saying there's a chance that Messi will be a PSG next season. I think that relationship is basically dead now. I'd be very, very surprised if he even plays again, possibly this season. Wow. Just because of, you know, the nature of the relationship. I mean, the, the difficulty is for PSG that they haven't actually won their league yet. They're only five points clear with, what is it, five games left, Pete, yeah. in the French league. And everyone kind of just always presumes that the, the French title is wrapped up. But actually, PSG have kind of managed to put themselves in a position where they, they actually have a bit of a battle on at the moment with Marseille um, to, to win their league. So... This decision to remove someone who is, in theory, according to like Ballon d'Or, the best player in the world, it is quite a big one in that sense. But equally, his performances since the World Cup haven't been particularly good. He's become very unpopular with the fan base and seemingly also with the management of the club. I mean, there's all different sort of spin and counter spin that's going round. There's stories going round in Spain which were saying that, you know, Messi's camp communicated you know as long as a month ago to say that to tell PSG that he wouldn't he wouldn't be renewing on the PSG side they say that that, that conversation has never really taken place that the talks have just drifted and drifted and I think PSG would now are kind of of the view that the maybe what it would cost to keep Messi at the club simply isn't an option and I think actually maybe you know that cost is the reason why at the moment it's looking like a move to Saudi Arabia rather than Barcelona, maybe the likeliest outcome for him. Yeah, we'll definitely get into where next for Lionel Messi, no doubt about that. But let's just sort of drill down on some of the, the issue around this unauthorised trip, Adam. Why is it so problematic for PSG? Can you explain uh, to anyone listening who may not know about the geopolitical issues at play here? Well, PSG insists there's nothing geopolitical about the you know their issue this week. That They say their issue is simply, it was a day of training, and Messi flew off to a different country. Issue enough, I suppose, for the majority right. of players at the majority right. of clubs. Now, if I was to paint you with a hypothetical that Lionel Messi decided to fly to Doha in Qatar for a day and started posting pictures about how fantastic Qatar was, do you think PSG would have banned him for two weeks? Maybe just one. Maybe just one, maybe one day's dot pay. So I think there's a little bit of cynicism with that. Now, the context to... The Qatar-Saudi relationship is is an interesting one because between kind of 2017 and 2021, there was this blockade of Qatar by its neighbours, led by Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, and relationships became really, really bad between those parties to the extent that you know uh, land and sea travel was difficult, getting getting stuff in and out of the country was difficult. This was all in theory resolved before the World Cup to the extent to which, you know, the Qatari Emir and the Saudi Crown Prince MBS were sat alongside each other even at the World Cup in Doha, uh, kind of posing for photos. And a lot of the people who had been caught in the middle of all of this were looking at these photographs being like, 
what the hell has the last few years been about when these guys appear to be best friends again? That became complicated again because during the World Cup, the Qatari TV channel being sports, which maybe maybe people in the UK kind of know best for being where Richard Keyes and Andy Gray ended up as broadcasters. Um, in the States, you might know it as kind of where you've found different forms of sport over the last few years. They launched this new streaming platform during the World Cup and it was banned from airing in Saudi Arabia just on the day that the World Cup was kicking off. Now, being sport is run by the PSG president, Nasser Al-Khalafi, and this ban has never been lifted. Bian have been considering legal action against Saudi Arabia around it. I think when you step back from, yes, PSG are very angry that he didn't turn up to training, I think there is also this kind of geopolitical tension that going to the state that has also banned the streaming platform of the PSG president probably doesn't sit that well, although PSG insists that's not the reason why they are fed up this week. What issue with this, Peter? Although Messi's had, obviously had all these ties for, throughout the, the last few years, um, certainly with Saudi Arabia, the one thing that's never really been in question is his professionalism towards football, I don't think, or, or not often, in fairness. So is this out of character, this particular issue? Not so much going to Saudi, but more the, the angle of the, the mistraining session after a defeat like this. I think one fundamental difference, I think, is that Messi isn't in Barcelona anymore. He doesn't have that same connection uh, a reverence really from from his teammates necessarily but certainly from the supporters the environment's different the environment for for tolerance is is not quite there now that seems quite a, an unusual thing to say about Paris Saint-Germain considering in recent years how they have let things slide how they have let you know the dressing room hold too much power and things have been allowed to to happen which ordinarily and other clubs may not have been allowed to to pass without that same discipline and that's been seen as a fundamental reason why they've just not been able to go that step further in in the Champions League and why so many managers have struggled. Has it been Messi in particular though that's been indulged in that way or or has it been more Neymar and and Mbappe who seem to be the ones who are causing more issue perhaps? Well yeah certainly with with Neymar and Mbappe more so than than Messi. I mean Messi hasn't had the same level or, or, or to this point at least anyway um there's been you know there was uh, a, a dispute over training whether Messi walked out or not uh, earlier earlier this year but aside from that really we were looking at a context of of Neymar over a few years where he would return to Brazil frequently stories of his of parties at his home um Thomas Tuchel having to deal with that um Kylian Mbappe Kylian Mbappe still holds so much influence at Paris Saint-Germain. Again, this is one of the hypotheticals, you know, would Kylian Mbappe be treated the same way if he did this this trip? Because his importance to the project now is is enormous. I mean, to the extent that, you know, when he was negotiating his contract extension last year, it's, it was felt that Luis Campos, the, the sporting director, was a part of those negotiations. And then by association, Christophe Galtier, who was a Campos appointment. We've seen that really recently, you know, when he came out and spoke against a club marketing video, which he disliked because he was the centerpiece of it and he said it wasn't Kylian Saint-Germain which had a little bit of irony to it you know he felt emboldened enough to do that and it just sort of reflected his sort of position of power you know this is a player who's involved in seems to be involved in all levels of, of discussion so it's certainly an issue for PSG and I think what's interesting here by taking this stand against Messi like this a key star player it's saying we don't want that anymore we don't want to be the club the big names no player is big in the club and for that to work that's got to be applied in all areas going forward. You can't just have this for Messi and then not for the next time Mbappe does something or or anything like that. So it does sort of mark a line in the sand moment. 
at least that's what the club wants it to be. Whether that actually happens, we will see. Yeah, in a way, Adam, how helpful is this to PSG to have this particular issue and the ability to deal with it in this particular way at this particular time when there are protests against the board like Peter's written about when there are fans outside Neymar's house as I saw a a video on social media this morning. How much of it actually is political to take this stance against Messi for PSG and, and their relationship with their supporters at the moment? Yeah, I think to a certain extent. I mean, it's it's really interesting because, you know, when you think about Messi and PSG, I mean, Messi, there was never really the impression Messi really wanted to go there in the first place. You remember the press conference when he's leaving Barcelona, he's in tears because he thought he was going to be renewing at Barcelona. And then all of a sudden, because of the financial situation of Barcelona and their relationship with La Liga, they couldn't get that deal done. And then all of a sudden, he's going to Paris. And I think his first season in Paris... He really struggled, you know, both in terms of goal return, but also I think psychologically, you know, moving away from this place that he'd been living in for 20 years with his family. Then all the sounds where he's becoming a bit more settled. He still sometimes goes back to Barcelona every so often. You know, it's, it's, not like, it's not like he's gone from you know, he's gone from one capital city, to, sorry, and he's gone from Barcelona to, to the French capital. I and mean, it's not like he's gone across the world and it's an entirely different way of life. But there was a comfort and a love, I think, in Barcelona for Messi that he never really experienced in Paris. And you could say an almost unhealthy fawning, really, at Barcelona, where the whole club just orbited around this one person. And PSG is different. PSG had three of those players when Messi arrived. You had Messi, Neymar and Mbappe. You also had, you know, kind of the superstar president, Nasser Al-Khalifi. You had Pochettino that was there at the time. They signed Sergio Ramos and Donnarumma and they've got Verratti. You know, it's just like this football Harlem Globetrotters. And all of a sudden, it wasn't all about Leo Messi. And he was kind of just another one of these older players that had taken, you know, a pretty good amount of cash and, and gone to and gone to a big club. So I think I think this relationship was always uneasy, but clearly there is a benefit for PSG at this moment in time to say, we're not going to put up with this. And it's a bit a little bit like when Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United, right? When you've got Eric Ten Hag drawing those lines in the sand earlier this season. Ultimately, if they were still scoring hat-tricks every week, they'd be able to do what they want. When you stop doing that, but everything else around you is still very demanding, both financially and also in terms of these commercial commitments and things like that, it becomes a lot easier for a club to frame it to the fan base and say, Look, this just this just simply isn't in the interests of the club to indulge anymore. And I think that's the point that PSG have reached with Messi in the same way as Manchester United reached it with Ronaldo. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, we're going to come on to where Lionel Messi ends up next in a moment. But Peter, generally for PSG, do you think that Project Messi has been a success? Has it worked? I suppose if you speak to the club and they'll say yes, you know, he's on course to get his second league on title. Sure, there's no Champions League. He had that difficult first season as, as Adam was outlining. You know, but this year, you know, he's contributed enormously. I think he's got 39 goals or assists in 37 appearances in all competitions. Sure, that's not quite the extreme Barcelona levels that we've seen during his career, but that's still a pretty extraordinary level. He's had this partnership with Kylian Mbappe. It's done well. But then I think it's it's more of a business transaction where you find the, the success. You know, Messi is good for PSG because of all the other things that have come with it over the past two years. You know, all the other kind of metrics from drawing people to the club, to watch the club, to buy the merchandise. You know, one of the things that PSG have done so successfully really over the past decade is improving their brand, is improving their reach internationally. And they will point to you know, the social media reach, which has reached new heights. I know this you know, this was mentioned by, by the president at the start of the year and in an internal speech. So that element makes Messi a success. But if you were to ask a supporter about it, they'd probably disagree. And, you know, there is a a very high expectation bar football-wise at Paris Saint-Germain. It is the Champions League and the Champions League is a knockout competition. You know, you, there is, for as brilliant as any team can be, that doesn't guarantee you'll go all the way. It's football. There's so many variables. It, it depends what you, what you really believe the point of this transfer was because PSG already had superstar players. You know, when, when Messi arrived, he was another superstar player. He takes them to another level in terms of, as you say, the reach. I think where PSG really started to to feel the benefit of this was during the World Cup, right? During the World Cup, that final, Messi against Mbappe, I had staff from PSG messaging me being, this is a PSG final, right? Messi against Mbappe. Even though most people watching it weren't thinking that, PSG themselves were thinking, you've got Messi one side, you've got Mbappe on the other you know, I remember during the World Cup, you had Nasser Al-Khalafi who was out there the whole time promoting his paddle tournament, playing paddle with players, talking up Qatar. The day of the final, he's got uh, Mbappe's dad in the box. There was another game, I think, where he had Messi's family in a box. He goes to see both players after the game. This was a moment where PSG sort of saw themselves, as well as these players, as front and centre of the world. And for Qatar to go into that tournament, having the main man from Brazil, in theory, not that he did anything. Main man from Argentina, the main man from France, all on their books. One, it performed the function of a huge amount of exposure. But it also, if there was anyone in, in Brazil, in Argentina, in France thinking, oh, maybe we should have a bit of protest or maybe we should be talking about the things that other countries are talking about, just completely killed that as an idea. So there was a real use and function to PSG 
as this broader project in terms of having these real superstar names associated with the club and the Qatar brand at that moment in time. PSG will always deny that. They'll say, you know, we signed Messi for football reasons. And of course you can say there's a football case to sign Leo Messi, of course. But there was all of this going round, going going with it at the same time that was very useful. What's followed since is that from the World Cup, these transfers, like Messi, has served his purpose. You know, this uncoupling of Messi and PSG works. It works from this point because of that apogee moment, that, that climax. It, and we've seen that on the field. And I think from a supporter's perspective as well, they see this. They see this now as well. And that's why there is this frustration, which we've seen with the protests as well, which is become a bit stronger it's just stepped up again but don't forget also i mean i mean the, the iconic image of that final well there was two iconic images weren't there there was the one where messi is lifting the trophy sort of on the shoulders but there was also this moment where the the emir of qatar drapes messi in the traditional um arabic bisht which is worn at celebrations and you know you you had the leader of qatar sort of adorning this great football player who his state is a fun, is essentially paying the wages of. And actually, coming out of that World Cup in the immediate term, a lot of people thought Messi would stay. Even, I think, people close to Messi, people at PSG were thinking he'd started the season pretty well at PSG. He then goes into the World Cup, he wins it. You've got the Emir giving him the, the bisht. It all seems to fit. He'll do one more year in Europe and then he'll go off to the States or Saudi Arabia. What's happened since the World Cup was not foreseen. I don't think it was part of a plan on either side that it all kind of falls apart afterwards. It has been kind of a chain of events that, that has spiralled and obviously peaked in Saudi Arabia over the last week. Adam, how happy is Lionel Messi to be seemingly a, a political pawn? He signed the PSG and he's signed up to be a, a, a tourism ambassador for Saudi Arabia. So You don't really hear him talk about it though in that sense, do you? B beyond... Do you hear him talk about much anything? No, exactly. Generally. Yeah. Right, so... Look, I mean, yeah, Messi agreed a deal that was around 30 million euros net to play for Paris Saint-Germain. Now, there's, you know, that he, he is not unique in terms of signing for clubs like PSG or Man City or Newcastle that you could link to regime. So I think you've got to be slightly careful about saying, you know, he has a unique kind of desire to be a geopolitical tool. You know, he signed a 20 million uh, US dollar deal to promote crypto for the, uh, the crypto fan token Socios, he's a face of the NFT-based game, Sorare. He's had sponsorship deals with Adidas, with Pepsi, with Oradu, with Pro Evolution Soccer, Louis Vuitton, Dubai Expo. He's got his own Cirque du Soleil show. His annual earnings, according to Forbes last year, were like 120 million US dollars, right? So you'd think, he shouldn't be desperate for the... He shouldn't be sort of, in, he's not in need of money. So it's a decision, right? Do you want to take this money from Saudi Arabia or do you not? What happened was over quite a long period of time, Messi became close to a man in Saudi Arabia called Turkey Al-Sheikh. Now, Saudi Arabia in the last few years has developed this kind of sports and entertainment division, which is a big part of, of their plan to diversify their economy away from relying on oil and gas and move it towards being, I suppose, more open to business with the West, whether that's around away from energy, but into sport and entertainment, in tech, in medical, all those different things that, you know, invest, investment funds would get into. And this guy, Turki Al-Sheikh, is an interesting character. He's an interesting character because he was a former security guard for the Crown Prince, 
Mohammed bin Salman. He's one of the closest people to the axis of power in Saudi Arabia. And he was behind quite a few of these kind of like friendly games that have been developed between, you know, there was that one in January where Messi and Ronaldo played each other, where PSG went to Saudi Arabia and played each other. Messi was one of sort of countless celebrities that during the lockdown period where this guy, Turkey Al Sheikh, was playing like pl online PlayStation games. He was sent, Messi was sending him messages supporting him. So there seemed to be this friendship. He kind of became like closer to that and more and more likely to in some way become involved with promoting Saudi Arabia. Now, obviously, we all kind of know the reasons why some people have an issue with that. You know, you've got the the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, which the, the American intelligence services deem uh, Mohammed bin Salman to be responsible for approving, which he describes as flawed. And you've also got all these issues around women's rights and gay rights. Messi himself, obviously, hasn't spoken about any of that stuff. But I think it was around last year, he signed up to this deal, which according to people I've spoken to, could be worth up to around 25 million euros a year to him. And as part of that, he has to make some promotional appearances. And these aren't kind of old school promotional appearances where you do, you know, you go for a photo shoot and then you sit down with, I don't know, GQ magazine or uh, different publications and you start talking about the products that you're promoting. It's just, you know, he goes there, he puts a, he puts a few things on Instagram he films an advert which went out relentlessly during the World Cup, by the way, in the Middle East. And that's kind of all there is to it. But it's become really significant this week because it has, it has interfered with his football. And that's where, you know, as you say, his football has never really been interrupted by his commercial commitments before. And for the first time, you know, in his career, maybe you're questioning the, the boundaries between the two. Peter, what happens next? I think Adam pointed out earlier, you know, I think whether he plays for Paris Saint-Germain again is an open question. You know, the, we'll see what the the mood is like, I think, but once this suspension sort of subsides, but PSG have a title to secure. And if it's not secured by the time he comes back, the manager's faced with the question about whether he uses a player who is a seven-time Ballon d'Or winner who has got 15 goals and 15 assists and the team has, you know, been shaped to to accommodate him. While the manager's job's on the line, by the way, as well, potentially. Oh, yeah, more so, I think. And I think this incident, again, I think even, you know, if there wasn't to be no sort of punishment from Paris Saint-Germain, you know, his authority is it's already incredibly weak. There's an expectation that Galtier will go in the summer anyway. When you're a manager with that kind of influence in that dressing room, it's very difficult to get a tune out of players. You know, he speaks every week about trying to see more from his players, more motivation, more more commitment. But it becomes ever harder if you're in that scenario. For him, you know, he's got to make that decision about bringing him back into the fold. What about the rest of the team? How do the rest of the, the players feel about it? I think there was an element of surprise, you know, that, that Messi didn't show up for training. Then it's, you know, the future and that's where next for, for Lionel Messi, you know, it's not going to be in Paris, barring the most extraordinary U-turns. Pete, has the manager actually, Christophe Gautier, has he spoken since the incident? Has he said whether he actually agrees with the decision? Was he consulted about the decision? No, he's not spoken about it yet. So he'll speak about it on Friday in his press conference. But one of the interesting elements about Gautier and and Paris Saint-Germain really is that a lot of these decisions don't necessarily always seem to be by the coach. And I'm sure he would have been involved in it, but we've got a sporting director in Luis Campos who is always very public. I mean, even after the Lorient defeat, he was again in the dressing room. He was again on Canal Plus talking about, you know, how he wants to see a reaction from everybody. These are words that the manager should be saying, you know, managers should be taking that position. Lewis Campos, by the way, is not a full-time employee at Paris Saint-Germain. He is a consultant 
who is a sporting advisor. So it's pretty extraordinary sort of the amount of power that he is giving the impression, I would say, that he that he currently has at, at, at PSG. And that will also be a situation to watch going forward, particularly if Christophe Gautier doesn't stay. Right, the big question then, um, where does he end up? Uh, there's a piece on The Athletic which dropped earlier uh, that you've obviously um, contributed to, Peter, but Paul Ballas, our Barcelona writer, has also given his opinion on the situation. Is it as simple as a choice between Barcelona into Miami and Saudi Arabia, do you think, Peter? It seems that way, and it depends what you believe with the situation, I suppose. I think in an ideal world, he'd probably want to go back to Barcelona. You know, I think the noises from Messi's camp tended to emphasise about it being a sporting project. You know, they, he wanted to see the sporting project at PSG and he wants to continue to play at the, the highest level. And he would be able to do that at Barcelona. But of course, with Barcelona, there is the financial element to it. They have a salary limit to meet. They've got players that they cannot register at the moment. Uh, players, new contracts that they cannot register at the moment. So the idea of them taking on one of the highest earners in the game seems improbable at this stage. So then you do open the door and then you ask, well, what are the options at a top level in Europe? And without Paris Saint-Germain, there is not very much at all at the moment. And that's where the question of, of Saudi Arabia comes in. And of course, into Miami and into Miami, is, as, as Tom Bogart writes in, in the piece, you know, that, that that door is open. They are waiting essentially for, for Messi to make that call about whether he wants to make that switch. And then, you know, Saudi Arabia, does he go and, and join Cristiano Ronaldo? Does he take a lucrative offer to, to go there and really sort of step fully into that position, that role um, overall? So it does feel pretty uncertain. You know, I wouldn't rule out that Barcelona finds some magical way to make Messi happen. It's it's hard to see when you look at the facts on the ground, but you just don't know. But I think in terms of the certainty of where he goes next, I think it's it's pretty uncertain. Yeah, Adam, there's a line in the piece about the move to Saudi Arabia, which says that he could earn around 450 million US dollars a year to play in the country. I mean, that is absolutely incredible, isn't it? It's nice to think where all our energy bills are going, isn't it? Um, <laughs> as, as, as the end point makes, makes you really sort of optimistic about the world. <laughs> what will happen with Saudi Arabia? Look, we, we know that Saudi Arabia have this huge desire. They have this, this project that has been sort of state-sanctioned called Vision 2030, which is all about diversifying their economy. And a big part of that is promoting the country via sports investments, whether that's Live Golf, uh, whether that's Newcastle United, whether that is taking Cristiano Ronaldo to El NASA, whether it's boxing events taking place in, in Riyadh. Some people will call that diversifying the economy. Other people criticise it as sort of cleansing human rights abuses, this, this sports washing term. And Messi is a target. You know, there's no question about that. Like they would love to have him. They would love to sort of recreate that Real Madrid-Barcelona rivalry and have him at Al-Hilal, which is Al Nasser's big rival, Al-Hilal, a better team. I mean, it would be utterly humiliating for Ronaldo because having gone to the place where it would look like he can only win in terms of being, you know, the most significant man in the sport in the country, he would all of a sudden become probably the second best player again at a weaker team than Messi would be going into. I mean, Al-Hilal are a stronger team at the moment. It would be interesting in, in that respect. It's also interesting that Messi and Ronaldo started to talk quite warmly about each other in more recent times. They've, I think they did a fashion brand promotion together, uh, which was promoted pretty heavily at the back end of last year. 
There was this friendly match in Saudi Arabia between PSG um, and a Saudi all-star team, a Saudi league all-star team in January. And I just wonder whether they're starting to pivot to recognising there's actually quite a big strength in terms of this joint brand beyond their playing careers. And I think that'll be an interesting thing. So I think, although from a footballing point of view, it might look a bit humiliating for Ronaldo if, if Messi does go there and sort of shows him up. I think from a branding point of view, it would be pretty strong for, for both of them, you know, to be to, together again in in Saudi Arabia. So th- yeah, that look, that option is on the table. Barcelona, if he wants to go to Barcelona, he has to take far less money. He has to take far, far, far less money. I think there is genuine interest. Like Xavi, the head coach, is, has been exploring ways to make this happen tactically and also by speaking within the club and from the financial point of view. There's even people in Paris who think like he could even just go, go and become a coach at Barcelona uh, and not carry on playing. Now, I'd be staggered if that's the case. But but that was something that was mentioned to me. I don't think that there's any chance of Messi doing it just yet. And there is also still, you know, these rumours about Inter Miami, which looked nailed on certain points last year. I mean, there was different points last year where Inter Miami seemed really, really confident that they would be getting Messi. That seems to have gone a little bit quieter, but I think they're still trying as well. Maybe David Beckham's visit to the training ground might have been, you know, a a happy coincidence in that regard. Yeah, so Beckham was at the PSG training ground um, last week, wasn't he? Yes. uh, and he he's obviously involved with with Inter Miami as well. So it, so it will be interesting. I think you know any you know, if you go back sort of two years, we all thought that he would go to Man City and play with Pep Guardiola again one day. That's gone, isn't it? Yeah, that's completely gone. I mean, yeah. Man City just wouldn't even countenance. Erling Haaland's do, seen to that, hasn't he? <laughs> doing it anymore because from that real real elite point of view, he's he's kind of yesterday's man. To be honest, you know, to be really brutal. The World Cup was probably the peak of it. I mean, the thing that other people are saying as well is that he does want to do one more World Cup. That he that he's not ruling out kind of one more World Cup appearance. So, you know, obviously we saw Ronaldo play pretty late at a World Cup last year, didn't we? And I'd be surprised if he gets there. But again, that that's a consideration as well. So if he wants to do that, then I don't know, is Saudi the, the best move for that? Yeah, Peter... As a final point, really, he can probably use Cristiano Ronaldo as a little bit of a lesson, can he, in making this decision because these two players are arguably the two greatest footballers that have ever played the game. And it's important how they bow out, isn't it? I think so. I think Messi, while he probably hasn't had the same, how do I describe it, sort of PR emphasis, that that that, that individual and outspoken drive of Ronaldo, they, they, they still have that same force within them to to succeed to win everything in front of them and i think part of that is making sure they win on the way out and that they leave in a way that doesn't impinge their legacy too much now ronaldo was comfortable going to saudi arabia messi will look at that and see how how that's progressed for him but also messi's completed the game you know really if we are to see it in that way you know winning the world cup He's done everything that he set out to achieve. Now, once you hit that point, what is there else for you to to get? What is what is the next stage for you? And it maybe it is about finding a project that, you know, in an idealistic world you can help improve, improve status, and, and whether that would be somewhere like in the MLS, you know, improving the game over there, or would it be something else entirely and and trying to maximize financially the the career that you've had? 
And that's where the, the Saudi picture comes in. Well, I think as well, the romance of going back to Barcelona, you know, the, the idea of a last dance, as Paul refers to in the piece I, I spoke about earlier too. I mean, that, that's got huge appeal across the globe too, hasn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's slightly different next season, isn't it? Because Barcelona are going to be playing at the, at the Camp Nou next season. That's an important point, yeah. So that kind of iconic image that we have in our heads of Messi walking out again at that stadium isn't quite what it would be. So you're saying he's going to sign a two-year contract then? It probably would, to be honest, because it would be a bit weird to go back and not have that moment. Yeah. Unless it's like a testimonial moment. Whereas, you know, if he goes to... There's an interesting thing, like, if he goes to Saudi, does that affect what other brands want to do with him long-term? I don't probably don't think it does, to be honest. Like, I mean... The, he's already got the link with the country, hasn't he, in that Exactly, sense. and it's not affected yeah. anyone so far. I mean, the other slightly interesting aspect to all of this is that Argentina are bidding for the World Cup in 2030 along with Paraguay and Uruguay and Chile as this kind of pan-South American bid. And then another one of the bids is Spain, Portugal and Morocco, which I'm seeing Ronaldo will be involved with. And then there is still this question mark about whether Saudi itself bids for it, along with Egypt and Greece. Now, that felt during the last World Cup like it was going to be quite a big conflict. You know, to have Messi and Ronaldo, whose own countries are bidding, also effectively promoting Saudi Arabia and this whole kind of Vision 2030 ahead of a 2030 World Cup bid. Since then, the likelihood of Saudi bidding has lessened slightly because Morocco have joined up with Spain and Portugal, which would kind of take away some of those kind of Middle Eastern, North African bloc votes that Saudi would maybe need to be able to win. So they may now look at 2034 rather than 2030. That is still a potentially difficult thing going forward. If the Saudis do bid for 2030... And you've got Ronaldo and Messi hugely promoting this general 2030 vision for Saudi. Do some people in Portugal and Argentina, whose own countries are desperate for this World Cup, start to look at this and think, is this useful to us to have like our two greatest ambassadors doing quite a lot of work here, helping, even if not directly the World Cup bids, the general mission of this country in that calendar year? Fascinating. The whole thing is, isn't it, to be fair? There's lots of pieces on The Athletic about the situation for Lionel Messi at PSG, the issues there, how that's going to be dealt with, where he'll end up next, and exactly how his legacy plays out over the next couple of years. Um, lots to get our teeth into over the course of that podcast. And Peter and Adam, thank you so much for doing that with us. Remember, if you want to read more about this situation, subscribe to The Athletic. It's on there now. One ninety nine a month is the offer for the first 12 months, and you can sign up by going to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But for the moment, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. The Athletic.